You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, hey, good morning, North Valley. Good to have you guys here with us this morning. We're in the book of James. If you've got a Bible, you can open it up, and that's where we'll be. Some of you might be using a smartphone. You can do that. Uh, We use the English Standard Version, so we're going to be jumping into uh, the text this morning and seeing what God has for us. Isn't isn't God faithful? Can we celebrate that? (laughs) Hey, well, I have a few announcements to make, and then what I want to do is we're going to do something a little different this morning. We're actually going to have an open mic time uh, just to share about God's faithfulness and what He's doing in the life of the church. And so before we get, Pastor Jonathan's going to be walking around with a microphone, and so we started off a bunch of neighborhood groups, so maybe you would want to share about what God's been doing in the life of your neighborhood group or something like that. But before we get going, I want to just give you a little update on our land. Uh, We've got uh, a picnic coming up. I want to encourage you guys to be a part of that. Uh, You'll see that you can pray with us that uh, we would be able to... uh, to fulfill all the, uh, the upcoming uh, requirements that the city's asked so that we can have an Easter service there. So be praying for us in that. Uh, those of you guys who might have time or gals that have time, Monday morning at 9 o'clock at the land, I kind of have an open standing meeting where if you just want to show up and uh, I'll give you a brief orientation on some of the projects. Maybe you have a few hours during the week that you could volunteer to help out at the, pro- at the property. That would be great. But if you don't, if you can't make it this Monday, um, well, we'll see you at the picnic next Sunday, and then uh, we'll just go from there. We can talk about it from there. But uh, God's at work in the life of our church, and we're really excited about uh, our neighborhoods groups starting off and and really seeing God work in the life of people. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to ask Pastor Jonathan, if you guys will, if you just want to share maybe what God's been doing in the life of your neighborhood group, or maybe how you're seeing God's faithfulness just in your personal life uh, as a believer. And so uh, quick, a few, few rules about the mic. Pastor Jonathan's going to hold the mic. Uh, some people really like to just get going and start talking, and we're like, hey, awesome. Let's keep it short so everybody else can share. And uh, so Pastor Jonathan's got the mic, so go ahead, if you will, just raise your hand really high uh, if you want to share a little bit about what God's doing in the life of your neighborhood group or in your family or in your personal life. We got one way up there. Start out going up top. Hey, you know, this is a fun time to be able to do this, guys. A lot of churches would never, ever do this because this could be a dangerous moment. You never know what's going to happen when somebody grabs a mic. But, uh, we're, hey, we take risk at North Valley, right? No risk at no biscuit. There you go. Good morning, Ryan. My wife's husband, oh, sorry. My wife's father-in-law got sick. Um, wait, wait, wait. You got to tell us your name. And, and it's Todd. I know. I, I, I can see you kind of through these bright lights, but thanks, Todd. And he's, he's been hospitalized, and he's still in the hospital. He'll be there for another 31 days. Um, but during this time, I had a lot of anxiety and what-ifs. And what was good is the word that you were preaching about how I can be more of service. Honor my wife. Honor my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and that really came out. It was really hard, but that's what God's been doing for me, is how can I be of more service? How can I help more? Um, 
I say thanks. Amen. Let's celebrate that. We got one way over here, Jay, on the other end. Man, you guys are making Pastor Jay work. Come on, Jay, stay ma- steer master it. Let's go. <laughs> Double time it, baby. All right, here we go. It's exciting. Share your name and then... Uh, yeah. I think they did this on purpose. Yeah, they did this on purpose. The, ne- the next person's outside. You have to interview them out there. <laughs> Uh, my name is Wes. We've been coming here for uh, about a year and um, joined a neighborhood group uh, last semester and, um, and, and just thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, because the group had gotten so big, because this church is getting so much bigger, um, my wife Nancy and I were asked if we would host and kind of help facilitate a community group. And we had hoped this time to kind of shadow our leader and go, hey, you know, I want to, I want to kind of get on the right path here. And uh, God had a different plan. So last week we kicked off uh, our own group. And um, it's, just, it's just a huge blessing. The blessing continues from the, from the original group we came from. And we had kind of a smaller group this week. But what Nancy and I both noticed and what we all prayed about as couples was... Um, just in that small group, there were so many needs, so many prayer requests. They took up an entire page just with six people. And um, it's just so necessary to have fellowship in, in the middle of the week, get to know people. And uh, I know in the beginning, my wife was a little apprehensive because she's like, oh, I hate the idea of trying to get plugged in. Once you get over that hump, it is, it is a huge blessing. So we're just very grateful. Thanks. Thank you for serving. And your group meets Wednesday, is that right? Wednesday at 6. Wednesday at 6. So if you guys, it's not too late to jump into a neighborhood group if you want to do that. Um, go ahead and raise your hand. We got one over here, Pastor Jay. Look at you. We're working you corner to corner. That is great. Yeah, neighborhood groups are a key way, guys, in which you grow in God's family. And so, you know, part, at the bottom of your program, you'll see kind of our purpose statement abbreviated, gather, grow, go. Um, it's important to gather on Sunday. Uh, it's important to grow in God's family, and we do that through neighborhood groups. So thanks for, thanks for serving, Wes and Nancy. Go. My name is uh, Will Landis, and I'm fairly new to the church. Um, I think I'm standing so close to Jonathan, I think his heart rate is in the training zone right now. (laughs) He's got his target heart rate, yeah. Um, This week, uh, we lost my brother-in-law. He has two little kids, ages four and three. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of conversation among the family about where was God? Does he exist? And uh, we're going to take this opportunity to come closer to this church. We feel an enormous positive energy and strength coming from all of you. And uh, we ask for your prayers in this time, but we also look forward to joining some of the home groups and, and doing something because what we're doing here is so important. It's God's work, and we're pr- uh, really proud to be a part of it. So thank you all for welcoming us. Yeah, man. Let me pray for Will. Lord, we thank you for Will and his faith. And God, in, in the midst of a hardship, it's real easy to blame you for everything that goes wrong. And so in the midst of this, God, we pray as a church, would you strengthen Will and his wife? Would you give him the words to say to comfort and uh, to speak peace? And Lord, we thank you that you walk through us in the midst of hard times. So we hold on to that, Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We got time for one more. Raise your hand high. Back over here. Jay, did you bring your running shoes this morning? 
You're wearing boots. That's good. Keeping you young, buddy. I did That's that. Right. You're purpose. an elder now, so you you can do that. <laughs> I did that on purpose. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm uh, Jerry Anderson, and uh, um, after a four-year uh, hiatus, I uh, stepped out in faith again, and uh, and uh, decided to lead a, a group. And uh, what uh, neighborhood groups have been to me after for so many years, just uh, despising and uh, not wanting to go uh, for what I realized to be fear fear of intimacy, fear of uh, a close walk with Christ. But what I found is, is a neighborhood group is a place where um, if you're alone, one of those people alone in a crowded room, you won't be. Um, if you're without friends, you'll find them. Um, if you're without a family, you'll be part of one. And uh, a neighborhood group bridges a gap between uh, church and uh, life, uh, the joys and, uh, and the trials and the, and the hardships and if you haven't been a part of one, uh, you're missing the best part of the Christian walk. Amen. Amen. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Jerry and Judy, for serving. Hey, last night, somebody, well, we got time for one more. Um, raise your hand really, really high. There we go, right up here in the front. While you get going, I'll tell a story real quick. Last night, somebody asked me, how's the church doing? I said, man, it's, it's doing great. It's growing. It's exciting. You know, and everybody likes to be a part of a, a growing church and all that stuff. And I said, man, we've moved movie theaters like two or three times just to accommodate to the space. The church is three and a half years old. And I said, you know what the best part about the church is? I said, it's the people. It's seeing the people and being with the people. And Jerry, you're so right. I mean, if you don't have a family, you can find one. If you don't have friends, you can have friends. You know, if you feel alone, you can feel connected. And that's how God designed it, to be a part of a church family. So go ahead. Greg. Hi, my name's Greg. I've been here for a year and some change now. Um, so some people know, some people don't, because I haven't been plugged into a neighborhood group recently. But um was going through a divorce with my ex-wife in Tucson and was really concerned about her fighting me on custody of my son. And uh filed the papers about a month ago, and she told me she's not going to fight me on anything. She's giving me everything I asked for, and just really excited about that. So as soon as I get my own place, I'll start having my son on the weekends. So. Amen. All right. I tell you what, I'm watching this clock. We got one more. Raise your hand. I love hearing these stories. Thanks for sharing, Greg. I'm Sarah Beekman. I just have to say that neighborhood groups are really fun. Um, our leader wants to wear his robe. He got a really nice robe, a purple robe for Christmas. So we decided this week we are having a pajama party. So it's fun. Who let her on the mic? We love you, Sarah. Keeping it fresh. Keeping it fresh. That's great. Let's thank God. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for... Uh, our friends here in the North Valley. Thank you that you, through Christ, we become so much more than friends. We become family, brothers and sisters in Christ. So Lord, we come to you as a good father. We're going to look to your word this morning. We're going to ask that you begin to kind of change some things that are in our heart so we can walk and live and breathe rightly in the midst of a a world, Lord, that you say, I'll walk with you through this as a good father. So we pray, God, make us strong. Make us um, 
resilient against the challenges that we face and give us a, a tenacity to hold on and persevere to hold on to your truth. Open our eyes and our ears to hear. In Christ's name, everybody said, amen. Boy, that was good. Can we celebrate that one more time? All you guys, Sharon. That is exciting. All right, so here we're going to go. We're in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 26. If you will, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. We stand on a regular basis when we read portions of scriptures, just so you can see where I'm going and see what we're going to be talking about. Um, And then this will be the passage that I pray that you work through all week long on how to apply it to your life. James writes in chapter 1, verse 19 through 26, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not only hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Speak now in Christ's name. Amen. Seven axioms for an active faith is what I want to point out this morning. Axioms means kind of a starting point. James is calling us not only to hear the word, but to do the word. Let's all say that together. Not only hear the word, but do the word. Let's do that again. Not only to hear the word, but to do the word. The word is God's word. James is saying, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to practice what you're preaching. Um, the The world needs to see believers that actually live out what they profess and what they believe. And so this is where James is calling for, if you, if you love God, then live like you love God. If you say you really love Jesus and all his teachings, then live like you really live for Jesus and live for all his teachings. James is the brother of Jesus. He would have, James's writing is saturated with Jesus' preaching and teaching. James learned from his big brother, Jesus. And so this morning, James is going to say, it's not enough for you to survive as a Christian in an inactive, dead faith. You need to be be very active and apply everything that you're learning. So let me just encourage you guys. Listen, you can apply more. You know, you hear the saying, an old dog can't learn new tricks. Okay, listen, if you're the old dog, you can learn new tricks. You, there's a lot to learn in life. You've got to keep learning. I always say this at North Valley in our staff meetings. The leaders are the learners. The people that are constantly learning are the leaders. They're the ones that lead. And James says, look, it's incredibly important that we need to cultivate this habit of holiness of hearing and doing the word. So number one, 
I want to encourage you to watch your speed. What I mean by that is that James writes in verse 19, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Let's say that together. Let every person be quick to hear. And slow to speak and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James gives three commands to watch out for. Number one, he says, if you're going to live an act of faith, the first thing you need to do is you need to be quick to hear. Now, the Jewish practice and tradition was to hear a lot of God's word. It would have been the Shema. It would have been, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It would have been the Torah. It would have been the first five books of the Bible. There was this orientation for a lot of Jewish believers to hear God's word, but really not put it into practice. And James says, you need to be quick to hear. You need to always be listening for God's word. You need to read the Bible. You need to listen to the preaching and teaching. Really what a lot of people think this this means is that you're quick to hear other people. But the whole premise of what James is writing about is would you receive God's word in your own life? And so here in the text, I take it to mean that James means, would you be quick to hear what God has to say about your problems? Don't listen to the world's chatter. Listen to God's calling upon your life. Don't always turn on the TV and look to Oprah or Dr. Phil. Look to Jesus. Look to God's word. He says, be quick to hear. It doesn't mean that Oprah or Dr. Phil or whoever else, counselor or uh, just lifestyle therapist or coach or whatever, doesn't have anything good to say. That's not what I'm saying. But James is saying, as a believer, you don't need to come to church reluctantly to hear preaching and teaching. You need to be quick to hear. But watch your speed. When you have a problem, who do you go to? Do you quickly turn to your friends? Do you quickly turn to the Word of God? Do you quickly turn on the TV to see some of the the newest uh, therapist or technique or self-help magazine can help you out? Are you turning to God's Word? And James says, be quick to hear. Read the Bible. Let God speak. Amen? When you gather in the morning, maybe it's in the, you have a devotional time, be quick to hear. Wake up. Put your feet on the floor. walk Walk to the Word and say, God, speak to me today. I want to meet with you today. We provide daily devotionals for you all the way through the book of James, walking through, expositing, and explaining every verse to help you walk with God so you can be quick to hear. James also says this, be slow to speak. Let's all say that together. Let's be slow to speak. Now, there's kind of a double meaning here in that phrase. Uh, Specifically, what he means is be careful in the teaching and the preaching of the word. He's challenging Christians. In James chapter 3, he's going to say, be very careful uh, for any of you who open your mouth to begin to preach and teach about Jesus' message. You, you, You better be studied up or calculated before you start proclaiming what you know to be true. Not very many of you should be teachers. That's why in our uh, church, we don't let just anybody walk in and start teaching our children. We want to walk through a process called membership, where we agree upon doctrinal truths, agreed upon truths. And James says, be slow to speak. Specifically, he's writing and encouraging believers to be careful. 
You know, a lot of times what happens in, in Christianity is you'll see a Christian a cele- or a celebrity that was not a Christian become a Christian, and what do we do as a culture? We give them a mic and say, just tell them about Jesus. And then six months later, we see the guy fall away, and it does destructive work and discredits the name and fame of Jesus. Be slow to speak, he says. Generally, what does that mean? It means that you got to be careful on how you talk as a Christian. He's saying be very careful in just your conversations because you represent Christ. How much do we talk as a people? The average person speaks 180,000 words per day. That's enough for a 54-page book per day. You guys are writing books with your mouths. In one year, that amounts to 66 800-page volume books. That's bigger than my pastoral library. You spend one-fifth of your whole life talking. James says, be slow to speak. In the cinema, there's a phrase that comes up every time you watch a movie, and it says, silence is golden. Ancient philosopher in, in a kind of a, an idiom that was being used during James's day was an ancient saying that said, silence is always safer. Be slow to speak. Third thing he says is be slow to anger. The idea is that oftentimes destructive speech is associated with anger. You are a builder or a breaker with your words. The words that come out of your mouth, do they build people up or do they break people down? Do they build up your business or your employees or your, your friends or your family or do they break each other down? James says, be careful. Your speech is incredibly destructive. Do you have a toxic speech or is your speech safe and sound? Bad psychologist will say, just let your emotions go because they're all natural and just let it roll. James has something different to say. He says that anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, anger should never control us. In other words, righteousness is something that that God calls us to live out a right lifestyle in the context of our everyday life. God cares about how we live. And when when we're quick to get angry, we're like like gasoline and matches. It lights up. It can burn a family down. It can burn a marriage down. It can burn down a, a church just with your words. And James says, be slow to anger. Watch your speed. When I get on the highway, sometimes I'm distracted and I'll be driving. Some days I am just unpredictable. I'm like, I'm unpredictable in a lot of things. When I'm on Facebook, I call myself a Facebook flake. Like I'll post a lot and then I'll go silent. And then I'll post a lot and then I'll go silent. I do the same thing in driving. Sometimes I'm driving down the highway and I'll just like, I'll be in my own world and I'll get in the fast lane and I'm going like 50. People are like honking at me, like, what's your problem? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am like in la-la land. Let me get over here in the slow lane. My wife will always say, you drive like a grandpa. And I'm like, you know, I'm just chilling. And then sometimes I get in the car and it's like I got heavy boots on and they'll just, I'll just be cruising, man. And I'll hear my wife say, watch your speed. When it comes to the Christian life with your words, watch your speed. James says, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. You've got to catch this rhythm and cadence in life. Some of you don't even know how to watch your speed. You just roll, man. You're just rolling. You're cruising. 
that you are oblivious to the limits of God's law on how you interact with other people. If you don't, you're going to destroy your family. You're going to destroy your own personal testimony and your credibility. Number two, verse 21. I'm going to call this point, put it in the burn barrel. I'll get to that. Verse 21 says, therefore, put away all filthiness. Let's say all filthiness together. Put away all, there you go, and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This idea of put away means to get rid of, destroy it, remove it. Jesus spoke with extreme language about sinful behavior. He used hyperbole to get his point across. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He said, if you don't bear fruit in the Christian life, you're going to get cut down and thrown into the fire. That's brutal. What's his point? It's hyperbole. He's exaggerating to make a point. He's saying, you're either on or you're off. Quit straddling the fence. You've got Wicked, sinful desires raging on inside you. By the grace of God, call upon the power of God to change those, but you've got to get rid of those things in your life. When I first became a Christian, I had a lot of bad behaviors. But what happens is this, is when you allow the Word of God to begin begin to receive that, you've got to clean some stuff out that God in his grace gives you the strength to set aside sinful, bad patterns so that you can receive God's word and it can transform your life. Some of you need to get rid of some really filthy things. Uh, Many of you don't know this, but I'm a beekeeper in my hobbies. Uh, I want to show you a little video of some of the things that we've been doing. We've been uh, captured. We captured a bunch of bees out on the property and, uh, man, it was a great hives. We relocated a bunch of these uh, bees, and I had my son out there on Saturday morning, and um, we did a little inspection. And unfortunately, what we found was that the bees had been infested with what's called uh, a waxworm. And they just, there's my little boy right there. Um, he's, he's looking tired, isn't he? That was early. Uh, the bees have been, the, the, the beehives have been infested with what's called waxworms. And they get in and they destroy the hive. And I talked to my dad and I talked to some other folks that are into this beekeeping business. And we had previously harvested uh, about 25, 30 gallons of uh, what we call North Valley's holy honey. And uh, unfortunately, it's, this is filthy stuff. This is just gross. It, it doesn't work. It ruins everything. They killed all the hives. They killed all the honey. Everything that was good is destroyed. The boxes are no more. I called my dad and said, what do I do? And he said, put it in a burn barrel. Burn it. There's no use for them anymore. Literally, this idea when James says that, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. That idea of rampant wickedness means that there's this multiplying effect that goes on. It's like whack-a-mole. When you try to knock one thing down, it just pops right back up. And there's this multiplication thing that goes on in the sinful patterns of your life that if you don't get rid of it and burn it, it's just going to keep festering and multiplying and growing. And the only thing you can do is get completely rid of it. Some of you need to get rid of your uh, internet or your 
whatever it may be, it'd be dragging you down into pornography or some of you need to get rid of a relationship that's tearing your marriage apart. Some of you need to get rid of, maybe it's alcohol that's destroying your marriage. Some of you just got to walk away from it. And in the midst of that, there needs to be grace and mercy and all that going on. But let me tell you something, James has a strong call here. He's saying it needs to be destroyed. When I first became a Christian, literally, I, you know, I, I, had all, I, I had been there, done that, and bought all the t-shirts for all the parties. I was the class organizer for Cancun. That means professional drunk fest for high school kids. And I uh, went down there, did all that. And as soon as I became a Christian, I came back and I began to pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said and to me, he didn't say this audibly, but I heard this in my own heart, in my own head, get rid of everything that is dark and evil. So I called my brother over, my younger brother, who I just reached out to, and he started walking with Jesus. And I said, come over to my house. He said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to burn a bunch of stuff. He's like, what, what do you mean? I was like, we're going to burn old tapes. We're going to burn my old t-shirts. We're going to burn those old love letters from the girls I shouldn't have been dating. We just sat there, we put it in the burn barrel, and I said, goodbye. Let me ask you something. What are you willing to put in the burn barrel? What, do, what does the Lord say? It's got no value. And the only way to kill this thing is to completely destroy it. With those boxes, that's the only thing we can do. Because all the eggs are deeply rooted inside of there. And the only thing to do is to destroy it. James says that. Put it all away. Get rid of it. Number three. James calls us to receive the word. Verse 21, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and here's that, so that you can receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That idea of receive with meekness means that you humbly accept God's word, that you allow God's word to come into your life. But here's what's wrong with us. What's wrong with us is we don't have room for God's word because we've stored up all the filthiness, all the rampant wickedness, and it's taken over and taken control, and it's rewired and infected like a virus so much of our life that our thinking is filled up with sinful behavior. And James is saying, you've got to get rid of that stuff so that there's room so that you can receive humbly God's word. We can fill up on the wrong stuff. He says, receive with meekness. That's to humbly accept God's word. The implanted word, it means the indwelling power of God's truth sealed upon your heart. It's what the prophet Jeremiah talked about, that there would be a day when believers can profess the name of Christ and they receive with them the Holy Spirit and it helps them to walk in righteousness and do God's will. And so you have no excuse that you cannot follow God's God's decrees and God's plan for your life because he's given you the power to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. To receive with meekness, that is the, the, the word, the implanted word, that's the gospel truth that should transform every area of your life. We think of the gospel sometimes as admit, believe, and confess. And yes, that's good news. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is Lord. Confess with your mouth. Yes, that is the starting point of the Christian life. But the gospel message is more than A, B, C. It's A through Z. It's walking through the whole thing. 
that the gospel's news, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he forgives sin and he imputes righteousness. He gives us a right lifestyle, a right motive, a right attitude. That's good news over and over and over again. And in my marriage, I practice gospel love. When somebody doesn't deserve to be forgiven, I practice giving them love anyway or forgiving them just because Christ forgave me. And so the gospel is what I think James is writing at. And he says, receive this implanted word. Let the gospel influence your whole life, every part of your life. Don't let it just be the starting point. Let it be the whole race of the Christian life. He says it's able to save your souls, meaning there's a future sense of security for believers. Number four, some of you guys just need to put it into gear. My son has a dirt bike. And when I first started teaching him how to ride the dirt bike, he'd put it in neutral, put on his helmet, put on his uh, racing pads, and he looked cool. And he'd sit in the driveway, and he'd just go, vroom, vroom. And and then he'd come back in, and he's like, yeah, that was fun. I was out there riding that dirt bike. He's like, you were in neutral. You didn't ride nothing. You sat out there, and you revved the engine, buddy. I said, we can put it in first. We go out there and we put it in first and we go somewhere. In the Christian life, you can do the same thing. You're sitting there and you're just revving the engine and you look cool for the people driving by. But the reality is you're just sitting in the driveway. You haven't gone anywhere. Put it into gear. James says this, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Don't deceive yourselves. Don't say that you're riding through, living an active faith, but yet you're sitting in park in the driveway and you hadn't gone anywhere. You placed your faith in Christ and you're still in park. You hadn't done anything. James says, be a doer of the word. Don't just hear the words. Some of you guys, seriously, you profess faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You're a Christian. But you still got it in park. And what God says, he's not saying, well, I'm going to take it from you and you don't, you don't even have salvation anymore. He's not saying that. What God's saying is, you're messing everything up. You're not enjoying life like I told you you couldn't. Would you put it in gear? Would you, would you put it into first? I know it's going to be scary a little bit. I know you think you don't know how to do this, but guess what? I do. And I'll put other believers in your life to help you go down the road of life. Put it into gear. Be doers of the word. Jesus said this, that if you, that the people that are their disciples prove it by the way they love one another. In other words, Jesus says, it's, 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 it's in your actions and your behavior that the whole world can testify and say, that's a believer. I see it in their lifestyle. He says, don't only be, not only be hearers. This is a common mistake. It's not doing He says, don't deceive yourselves. Jesus taught against self-deception. Jesus blasted against self-deception. He said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? Did we not feed the poor? Did we not help all these people? And Jesus will say in that day, depart from me. I never knew you. See, we can fall victim and make a profession of faith in Christ, but we know deep down that only God knows 
a position of one man's salvation. Only God truly knows. But when you put it into park and you don't put it into gear, you become suspicious that there may be no saving faith at all. James is actually writing to a group of people that have what we call a social faith, but no saving faith. A lot of people that he's writing to are absolutely genuinely saved, but there's a lot of people that it's just a social faith. It's a social thing. And James says, look, when you put it into gear, it testifies that God's, you're listening to God's coaching. You're doing things around His way. Put your faith into action is what James calls us to. Number five, catch, avoid catching spiritual amnesia. What is amnesia? It's memory loss. It's when you lose uh, memory. It could be of a couple decades or it could be just a few months. It happens when you have severe brain damage of some sort. Verse 23 says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. James says that he looks intently at his natural face. That means that he takes a good look at himself. James, kind of what he's doing here, he's trying to make a metaphor. He's saying the person that hears the word but doesn't do the word, here's what he's like. He's like a person that looks into the mirror and he's gazing, looking into the mirror. And back in those times, in the New Testament times, mirrors were made out of polished gold, silver, or bronze. And to have a mirror would mean that you're probably wealthy and you would go and you would look into it and you would see yourself and you would know what you look like. And you know, if you're aging really fast, that, that could be you. You know, you look in the mirror and you're like, man, I did not know I looked like that. Didn't realize I was losing all my hair back there. Didn't realize I had this many wrinkles. And James says this, he says, the person who is a hearer of the word, but not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face. He takes a good look at himself. That's a reflexive pronoun. He looks at himself and then he goes away and he forgets what he, looks at, what he was looking at, what he was like. Here's the point. If you stare at yourself and you're looking at yourself and not looking to God, you're going to forget who you are. You're not even going to know. Number six, obey the law of God's land. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer of, and who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James calls us to look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, he calls it. The law in this sense, I believe, has a more general sense. It means God's word or the gospel for several reasons. James will later use the royal law in chapter 2, which I'll teach on in the following weeks. And it's referring to Jesus' teaching. God's word, Jesus' words. James does, number two, James doesn't quote the Old Testament a whole lot. James is Jesus-saturated teaching. James nowhere tells believers that they must fulfill all the Old Testament requirements. So the idea here with law is it's a general sense of God's word. And James begins to say, the one who hears and then does the, does the action, uh, fulfills the, the, the word, he's the one who looks into the law. That is the God's word, God's gospel. He says, he will persevere. 
meaning he won't forget. He actually says what he, or he does what he says. He's a doer. He acts. He's a get or done mindset. He will be blessed in his doing. Joshua 1.8 in the Old Testament, it said this. It says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be prosperous and successful. We need to live by God's law. He created everything. He's the CEO of the universe. And there's laws for everything. There's a law on how you uh, bank. There's a law on how you build things. Right? The property, we're building stuff. We got we to abide by the law. There's a law on how fast you drive. There's a law for everything. Well, God has laws too. And James says, you must obey the law of God's land. Living by God's word will always bring life. Number seven. Verse 26 Let's just read it, and then I'll give you the point. It says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle, that's a, a word or a phrase of equipment that belongs to horses. He says, it does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Here's the point. I'm going to call it control your horse or get off. When I was a kid, my dad said this. He said, you know, son, we would go up and spend our summers up in the Ozarks. And we had horses. And my uncle, Frank, had a lot of land up in the Ozarks. And he said to me one day, son, if you catch that horse, I'll let you have it. And it was a wild stallion. And I think the, uh, the mother of the horse's name was um, Jezebel. And the dad was Lucifer. And uh, they said, if you can catch it, I was a wild teenager. So if you can catch that horse, you can have it. So we spent all afternoon trying to catch this horse. And literally, when we're trying to load him into the, uh, to the trailer, he, he would rear up, and then he would try to kick. And I mean, you know, one swipe of a hoof, I mean, it'd crush your skull. And uh, the horse would literally put his hooves on each side of the trailer, and uh, there were several ranch handlers there, and they just said, hey, that horse is better off dead. That, that horse is crazy. And I'm a, I'm a wild, rebellious teenager, and I'm like, I'll tame it. I'll break him in. So sure enough, we load coach up, and we get him in the trailer, and I spent the next seven years with bumps, bruises, and broken pieces of bone <laughs> with that horse. Farrier would come over, and he would say, Doc, my dad's a doctor, need to put this horse down. It's going to kill somebody. And uh, we never did. We never put him down, but we paid the consequences. One day I was out riding down the highway, and my dad said, you guys got to control your horse. Ryan, you control that stallion. We're riding down the, the highway. We're about to get onto this big mountain trail. And uh, he said, control your horse or get off. Because, you know, I mean, if you can't control a horse and you're riding down by the highway, I mean, you, you're going to get yourself killed or the horse killed or something. So I didn't listen. So I said, no, I got it. I got it. So I'm riding him down, and all of a sudden, coach, a car drives by, and my horse spooks, and he bucks me off. And I fly over the saddle, over the horse's mane and his head. 
And unfortunately, there's a 45-mile-per-hour speed limit sign right there. And I say, ding, fall to the ground. Got all sorts of amnesia problems going on. Can't remember who I am. Can't remember what's going on. But I remember these words, control your horse or get off. I'll never forget that. You know, James says this. He says, if anyone thinks he's religious... And he's actually, actually using word religious in a positive sense here. He says, but you don't know how to bridle your tongue. You deceive yourself. In, in other words, your religion is worthless. Jesus said, whatever comes out of your mouth is an indication of what's going on in your heart. If there's trash coming out of your mouth all the time, there's an indication, there's a possibility that there just might be trash in your heart. And James says, if you don't know how to bridle this thing, if you don't know how to control this thing called the tongue, and your speech is just cutting people down, it's gossiping, it's slandering, it's hurting Christians, it's hurting other people, your religion just might be worthless. The point is, is if you can't control your mouth, if you can't control your speech, don't say anything at all. Amen? Silence is golden. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that in this, where we hear a hard message, Lord, from your word, transform us. Give us grace. Give us mercy. Lord, as we draw upon the remembrance of what Christ's sacrifice has done on the cross and we take communion this morning, let us confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and you forgive everything. So God, I pray here this morning that we would take up the opportunity in the remaining moments to just do some business with you. And Lord, some, of, some, some may be here today and they say, I don't know about Jesus. But Lord, I pray that they'd keep coming back. I pray that they'd keep listening to your word. And Lord, that you may be at work to challenge and encourage and exhort them. So we pray, God, would you do your work in us Would you let your word, would it be deeply implanted into us and help us to live it out. To Christ be the glory in the North Valley and beyond. Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.